This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. In this episode, I spoke with Tim, who is an intended parent in Melbourne. Tim and I got chatting one night at a surrogacy meetup and he told me how much he hated social media and how hard it was to be an intended parent where one of the only ways to find a surrogate is to join a Facebook group. So we decided to turn that into a podcast episode and this is our interview together where we talk about all the challenges of social media and of trying to find a surrogate or an egg donor and being an intended parent on a uh, forum where you don't necessarily want to be there. So I'm going to hand over now to Tim. Uh, so my name is Tim. I'm an IP from Melbourne, uh, a gay one, um, another gay one. Um, I have a husband. Uh, he's not on this podcast because it was my idea to come on here and Sarah has challenged him to come up with his own idea. So maybe at the end of our journey, he will have his own. Uh, so <laughs> stuck with me. Um, He's a lovely husband. Uh, we're both 33, and I I started this journey about a year ago. Jason started it a couple of months before me. Um, he had been loitering around on the Facebook page um, for a couple of months, just kind of reading people's posts. He hadn't done anything yet, um, and eventually he can he convinced me to join. Uh, I had to rejoin Facebook just for this, which was a task in itself, but I got there and. Yeah, very quickly after first joining Facebook, I went to my first catch-up. So it was all quite quick from there. I mean, go back a bit. What's this about not being part of Facebook? Are you one of those weird people that doesn't like Facebook? Yeah, I I got over Facebook very quickly at one point. Um, I was I work in events and uh, Facebook and social media is a big thing of promoting arts and events. And, and I just got a bit over it. It was all... I find it very fake, very fabricated, very time-consuming, and so I, I quit it, and I had never been happier. I was off Facebook. I didn't have to read about people's opinions. It was amazing. Uh, I, kept, I kept Instagram because at least I could just look at pictures and not have to read people's thoughts. That was also great. Um, so to have to rejoin again was, yeah, a bit of a challenge. Um, well, I guess the good thing about that is that I know that there's other intended parents and surrogates that have felt similar to you that, you know, one of the only ways to engage in the surrogacy community is through Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook and feeling forced to do Facebook just for that purpose, it can feel a bit intimidating and not so great. So what was your experience of coming back to Facebook just for the surrogacy community then? Um, so I made myself a promise that it was purely just for surrogacy. Um, so I have... Well, for the longest time, I only had one friend on Facebook, and that was just Jason, so that he could tag me and stuff. Um, and even to this day, I've only got two friends because I've since caved, and I'll cover that later. Um, so I just have two friends. I have one photo. I don't like stuff. The only thing I engage in is surrogacy, and I will like and comment on people's posts, and that's basically the extent of my Facebook experience right now. This sounds like a dream because I'm the sort of person that ends up down the rabbit hole of scrolling endlessly and forgetting what I was meant to do. So maybe I should do that as well. <laughs> it, it saves a lot of time. Like if I do get bored and I do start scrolling, you like within five minutes I've read everything twice and I'm off again. So yeah. highly recommend that to everybody out there just quit Facebook. <laughs> Don't go there just yet because we do want people to engage in the surrogacy community. So tell me, how did you guys come to surrogacy then? What was the uh, the thinking behind that? I think the honest answer to that is I 
don't know. I had never really considered surrogacy. I, like, I knew it was a thing, um, and I never really considered it as being an option for me. I had always thought as a, as a gay man that I would never have kids. Um, it's actually how I came out to my sister, like, 14 years ago. Um, I couldn't bring myself to say the G word, so I just said, uh, I'm never going to have kids, and she got it, which was great because um, that would have been awkward. Um, Jason had engaged with the community. I can't even remember how he had found it. I think he just knew that he wanted to have kids. It was a prerequisite anyway of us continuing to date after the first date. Uh, he, so he did all the research. Um, he joined the community and then eventually got me to join as well. So tell us about your experiences of the surrogacy Facebook group, because I know you've had your own challenges being on Facebook. So what's your experience of trying to, I guess, look for a surrogate or an egg donor on being on a medium that you're not even happy being, being there? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I suppose first thing where I'm really lucky or me and Jason are really lucky that my sister offered to be an egg donor. So reading a lot of people's stories, hearing a lot of people's stories, um, that feels like a huge weight that we never had to deal with, which was great. So love my sister muchly. Um, she's great. Um, in terms of kind of dealing with it, I have been through a few ups and downs and I'm quite a reflective person. Um, and so when I was thinking about this for the podcast, I did kind of come up with four stages of how I dealt with Facebook and social media. Um, I can go through those if you like. Yeah, tell me about them. What If you're an IP that's looking to find a surrogate, feeling a bit lost in the, in the Facebook world, what, what are your tips and your processes that you've been through? So, all right, so here's what I went through and it won't, it definitely won't apply to everybody, but I think um, everybody is going to resonate with one or more of these points. Um, definitely stage one for me was like an even 50-50 split of trepidation and hopefulness. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. I was completely nervous um, and yet also hopeful because I thought I would never have a kid and here was Jason telling me that it was a real thing and there were other gays on the page and it was totally possible. Um, and at this point, I'd been off Facebook for about two years. So there was kind of that nervousness as well of having to come back to, to Facebook. Um, it's, yeah, it was a little bit weird and daunting. As soon as I joined, because Jason had already been there for a while, I, or we, did the intro post relatively quickly after we joined. I know some people loiter around for a bit, and that's totally cool. Um, Jason had loitered for a bit. I'm kind of the sort of person that would just put my foot in it. So if anyone's unsure, that's maybe my advice. Just do it. Get it out of the way. At the same time as well, we're reading all of the posts on Facebook while at the same time I'm doing our own research and starting to get involved with IVF clinics. So that, that first stage for me was just a complete overload of information, lots of people's opinions, um, trying to work out what was relevant, what was not, what was what you needed to know for now and what you needed to maybe clock for later. Uh, I've since forgotten all, probably all of that stuff that I had to clock for later. I'm just going to... I'm the sort of person that will deal with it as it comes, to be honest. So that was um, that was definitely phase one, I think. Nervousness and trepidation and feeling overwhelmed um, and just 
having a look around what, what, what everyone else was posting and seeing what was happening. I, I guess one of the things that we hear from intended parents and from surrogates, actually, that the surrogacy world and finding a surrogate is a bit like dating. How does it feel to be a gay couple that are wanting to date a surrogate that you've never met? And it's kind of like online dating. So, I mean, it is really. What does that feel like when you're in the group, when we know that there's probably at least 100 intended parents for one surrogate? that might be available. Um, how, how do you sort of get your head around that and how do you not lose hope when you're going through that? Yeah, that's actually quite a tricky bit. Um, in terms of feeling like the online dating, I think the gays maybe have it easy in that most of us are used to having to sell ourselves on online and on apps. We've, like, we've all used Grindr, we've all used whatever other apps are out there. So I think that bit isn't maybe so difficult for us. But when, yeah, definitely the competition um, or, or the, you know, the hundred other IPs, it's once we posted our first post, we, we felt really good about ourselves. We got some great feedback. Lots of people liked it. Lots of people commented. We got a few compliments, which we like, completely lapped up and loved. Um, and so, you know, that boy who hated Facebook was suddenly kind of, obsessed with checking his posts every <laughs> 20 minutes to see how many more people had liked it. And then obviously, like with every social media post, that starts to fade. Something else, somebody else comes along and there definitely was that sense of competition. And I, of course, I look back at it now and I think that was dumb. Like, you, you know, you can laugh at it. But at the time, you're looking at every new post that pops up do they get more comments? Do they get more likes? Do they have a better smile than you? It's, 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 so, it's so funny to look back on it now, but it's a, it's a real thing when you're in the moment because you feel so good and you feel on top of the world after you've received all those compliments and then just kind of someone else comes along and you're very quickly old news and you, you slowly start to realise that it's going to take more than just an intro post to find somebody and that wave... I suppose with any social media post just doesn't last very long. Mm, and I think you've touched on a really important point because people will say, how do I find a surrogate? And lots of people will say, you need to be engaged, you need to contribute, you need to be active in the community. And I've heard people say, yeah, but what does that actually mean? Like, how, how do you do it? Do you comment on every new person's post? Do you just say hi and welcome? Or how do you be active enough that a surrogate might notice you and might want to reach out to you, particularly as some of the rules are that you're not allowed to message a surrogate without her permission, that sort of stuff. So how, in your opinion, how do you be engaged and active without um, upsetting people or looking like you're a bit desperate? Yeah, that bit was really hard. And on the whole, not messaging a surrogate thing, I am generally quite good with rules, so it never even crossed my mind. So I hope that everyone else out there kind of follows that as well because surrogates don't need to be attacked with messages. Um, in terms of trying to engage, it was, it was tricky because I felt at the time I took that advice quite literally and felt I need to comment on as many posts as I can. Like I have to be seen... I have to do more than just like, but I had absolutely no idea what to say. And if you didn't see a post for an hour or two hours after it had been posted, like all the good comments had already been taken, like go see Sarah Jeffers' handbook. Um, <laughs> check out. <laughs> like, there you go. That's, that's right? the best comments. Leave that one alone. <laughs> but in fact, you kind of, you kind of just pondering like, Oh, what do I, what do I do? 
and especially what's what's really hard for me, and I think a lot of um, gay men will maybe resonate with this as well, is that if a if a if a lady has joined Facebook and they've had previous issues in the past, it's really difficult to try welcome someone to the group if they've just poured their heart out about all the problems they've had. Because I I can't resonate with that. I can I can try to understand how hard it was, but like it's not happened to me. It will never happen to me, and it's it just kind of feels a bit guilty. Like should I be commenting on this? If I comment on it, will it just look like I'm commenting on it for the sake of commenting on it? Maybe that's a paranoia thing that I've got. Could be. No, I reckon potentially. I I think a lot of surrogates would even feel like that. So if somebody has posted to say they've had a really tough time trying to conceive or they may have suffered from pregnancy loss or um, a cancer treatment, for example, that means they can't carry, you've got a bunch of um, surrogates who are fertile and healthy and been able to carry babies for other people as well as for themselves. So even we struggled to try and work out how do I say something that's caring and welcoming which, without being a bit um, sort of uh, trivialising what they're going through or brushing it off or just referring people to the handbook because you don't know what else to say. Like, so I don't think you're alone in that and I don't think it's just the gay IPs that are feeling it. I think it's and sometimes it's also compassion fatigue because there's so many people that are looking for a surrogate or a donor and the community wants to support everyone but sometimes you get to the point where you kind of run out of things to say without looking like you're a bit desperate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And compassion fatigue is kind of an interesting thing because there's also emotional fatigue as well. And I, I have a I have a Monday to Friday job. I have completely horrible days at work. And there are times where, especially in the beginning, I'd have a shocking day at work, come home, feel like I had to check Facebook, but just completely not be in the mood for it. And so I'd kind of stew over it for 10, 15 minutes. Like, I need to comment. What am I going to comment? I can't think about what to say. And in the end, it would just kind of make me feel even more upset because I'd had a bad day already with what I felt I had to do. And then I just felt completely rotten and would have to pull out a drink probably to make myself feel better. So I guess if there was any advice from that, it's actually about recognising that we all have our own limits and what else is going on in our lives and whether it's, you know, work stress or family stress or other things that are happening. And that sometimes I think less is more that if you can spend some quality time on the Facebook group rather than um, wearing yourself out trying to comment on everything and thinking that you do have to comment on every new post or like every new post, that actually if you do it at a time that you've got the energy for it, then you can comment on a few posts and give genuine responses and help or friendship or whatever, rather than trying to spread yourself too thin because we're, we all end up potentially spreading ourselves too thin if we do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And there are times where I want to comment. I can't really think of what to say. Maybe I'm just not in the right headspace at that moment. And so I'll just kind of leave a, a like or a love or a whatever else you leave on that Facebook thing um, just to kind of show that, I've seen your post, I've read it, I appreciate it, but I'm not going to further engage because I just can't at the moment. Yeah, so the kind of stage two was when I started to feel a little bit dirty because it was that pressure to comment on as much as possible and to be seen. And so I started looking for kind of anything that I could post. If it had been a few weeks since we'd last posted something, I'd look for a photo or just something to say in order to be kind of pushed back up into the, the limelight of the community. Um, and I look back now, I didn't post a lot of things in, 
in retrospect because I have gone back and had a look. There was, there was just a couple. Um, but one in particular that kind of makes me laugh now is when I got Jason and myself to find a photo of us with a baby each. So Jason found one. I think it was a, a colleague's baby. And I also had a photo of the colleague's baby. And so we posted this, um, I, you know, to get attention or likes or to show that we were like going to be really good at holding babies. I, I, don't know what else, I don't know what we really expected to get out of it, to be honest. Like, I don't know. Maybe they thought that my like slightly scruffy, unshaved look with a baby would totally resonate. But Well, the funny um, thing is that I always have to do a double take when people post a photo of themselves with a baby. I think, oh, they've already finished their surrogacy journey because they have a baby in their arms. So then I have to read it and just double check that, that that's not their baby. It's actually a niece or a nephew or a friend's baby or whatever. So maybe you're onto something there that when people post pictures of themselves with babies, they need to be careful that we haven't all just dismissed them because it's another photo with a baby. Absolutely. There's enough people in the community that most, I mean, it's easy for people to maybe think that because not everybody engages with your first post or your second post or with you at all. So to kind of see that, that, I think that's why I I think I felt dirty. Um, Definitely in hindsight, looking back at it, because it was just all about how do we be seen? How do we attract a surrogate? We have to show that we're like a happy couple you'd go looking for photos and I can't use that photo. My face looks a bit like squinty in the sun. Can't use that one. My t-shirt looks old. And you just get really critical of yourself. And You've bought into the whole social media looking like a magazine article rather than being yourselves, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Like, sorry, yeah. I just want people totally qualified to be in a Kmart catalogue, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely top of my criteria. Yes, you need to be <laughs> as if you've just walked out of a magazine. Um, so I guess then uh, it must be hard for intended parents to think about what is the surrogate looking for if she's not looking for somebody that's just stepped out of a Kmart catalogue because you don't know who's looking at it and who's talking about you um, and who's interested in the person. You, you want to be authentic and genuine and um, just your regular selves because if you're attracting a surrogate to come and talk to you, it needs to be somebody that is attracted to you at, and your authentic self rather than the Kmart catalogue self. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's really hard to do. Um, and I'm not I'm not sure what the answer is to that either. It's, I think it's really hard to be genuine because we are very different people in real life compared to online. And kind of continuing on with the whole stages thing, stage three for me was taking a step back from Facebook and realising that this was a lot harder than I thought. It was going to take a lot longer than I thought. Or not that I really had a timeline in mind, but it just kind of dawned on me just how difficult it was. And so I did kind of take a step back and I stopped liking and commenting on people's posts. And I kind of just started focusing on the Melbourne brunches and the Melbourne dinners it's kind of catching up with people that way because it was also this time as well that I was starting to realise just the sacrifices that we were making and we would have to continue to make to keep this going. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a, it was a bit of a dark period for me definitely because it was realising that if friends invite you out for dinner, you can't just necessarily go out for dinner. Like you've got a budget, you've got a plan, you're funnelling everything you can into this surrogacy account. You can't go out for a nice dinner, you can't just splurge $50 on five pints. Um, you, you can't just go overseas because your friends are inviting you and saying, when are you going to come visit me again? 
Um, in fact, you realize you probably can't go overseas for a while because that's money that would be better spent on this whole baby journey. So, um, yeah, that was that was difficult. Did you find that the face-to-face meetups, the dinners and the brunches were easier for you to engage with people than Facebook? Uh, it, was, it was really nerve-wracking at first. So the first brunch that I ever went to, I was like the perfect example of a deer in headlights. And it took a lovely lady by the name of Amanda to kind of recognise this and take me under her wing and kind of say, you'll be all right. Because it was like you just walk, we walked into quite a busy brunch and everybody seemed like they knew each other. And we were just these completely strangers that had walked in um, and didn't know anybody. And so it's, it's really scary. And so I have a lot of time and respect for new IPs that come along to a new or to their first catch up. Um, and definitely I've gotten a lot more confident as well. So especially at the dinners, they're on Fridays. I love a drink. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've annoyed the odd person because I'm just very happy to talk. But <laughs> if it makes like one person feel a bit more comfortable, then cool. I've done my bit. So. Well, we had a chat about this podcast at one of those dinners. And from memory, we were talking about the fact that an intended parent perhaps had told you or Jason that they weren't going to turn up at the dinners because they were too nervous and they were just going to sit back and wait for a surrogate to come to them. And we were kind of despairing because we could totally understand why they would be nervous, but also worried that if they think a surrogate's going to find them, if they're not turning up at events or active on their Facebook page, then it's actually not going to happen because surrogates can't find them if they're absent. So... I guess it is like everyone's different that some, for some people being really active on social media will be perfect for them. And for other people, actually the face-to-face will be better. And for some people, it'll be a bit of a mix of both. So tell me about the other phases that you've gone through on the, um, the search for surrogate in the Facebook group. Have you found that the, the Facebook and or the, the gatherings have been good, not for actually meeting a surrogate, but for building up friendships? Yeah, 100%. 100% Yes. Um, it kind of took the pressure off the online presence. Um, and I suppose Melbourne's lucky. Melbourne's got a huge community and there's generally a really big turnout. Um, I can't talk for other states or cities because I'm in Melbourne and Melbourne's amazing. Um, but being there with a lot of other people that you've kind of engaged with a little bit online and then you get to have a drink with and have a chat with, it just takes the pressure off, I think. So being able to engage with other IPs, talk to them about the troubles that they're having and where they're at in their journey, connecting with IPs to talk about their experience and then also being able to talk with previous surrogates about their experience and just getting a bit of more of an understanding of what happens exactly. So even if even if a particular person is not going to carry again just the fact that they've been a surrogate they have a wealth of knowledge that is probably quite useful yeah and i think um certainly for me when i go to the the dinners or the brunches it is for connecting with people because i'm not looking to be a surrogate again but it is actually the human connection that i go for and hanging out with the people that i've spent time with over the past couple of years seeing how their progress has been but also catching up with surrogates who have birthed and that sort of thing it's very much about the connection it's not just it's it's not a dating scene, I guess. That's not really why we go. Yeah, it's, de- yeah, it's definitely not a dating scene. And I think the first dinner that we went to, uh, there was no surrogates at all. And so I remember being a little bit dejected by, by that 
because I thought that was the whole point of it. But obviously, as it's as it's gone on, I've realised that it's not. Yeah, the whole dinners are not about dating and finding someone to connect with, and just boom, there's the magic. Yeah. It's about those friendships because it's those friendships and those connections that will probably help you out in the future. Um, yeah. And also I think a lot of uh, this might apply to the IPs as well, but certainly the surrogates who end up carrying around the same time as each other and birthing around the same time will often have really close relationships. So Amanda and I, for example, our surrogacy babies are only a couple of months apart. So we spend a lot of time talking because we've gone through the same thing at the same time. And that shared experience means that that's how the friendship has developed. And I think that's the same for intended parents who are often starting at the same time and going to the next step at the same time. Yeah, we've been lucky in Melbourne because there were a few couples kind of at the same point who were going through egg donation at the same time that we were or a little bit before us. And so we were able to have those conversations, like quite detailed conversations about egg donation and, and what happens and just it's like it's all such a head space thing. But just being able to gather information from other people who are at that same stage was really helpful. Yep. So uh, tell us what's a stage, what's phase four? Oh, phase four is, phase four is amazing. Phase four is kind of where I started to not rebel because I think I'm hardcore. So rebel seems like a cool <laughs> word, but you're a total like, nerd. Like you, you're not hardcore really, are you? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a nerd, but like, <laughs> sometimes I wear eyeliner. So I'm like a hardcore nerd. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yep. Yep. Go with uh, that. So it was, I guess, finally understanding what my place was in the community. And so I stopped stressing so much on Facebook about what I was going to comment. And I just commented like the first thing that came to mind. And so I brought in some Harry Potter references. Um, More recently, someone had posted something kind of expressing their disappointment and they were kind of asking, how you how you deal with it and my response was kind of well can you just let go of it can you be angry can you just let the hurt out because you can't pretend like everything is roses and peachy all the time like you make a lot of sacrifices it costs a lot of money it's a lot of emotional energy it drains you you're allowed to kind of stamp your foot and just go Ugh, i've had enough and mm-hmm. I think that, like that's important just to show that you're real because nobody is 100% happy all the time and we all have days where we're just like rather be doing anything else in the world than kind of dealing with what's going on on the Facebook group. I think that's right too. I like that approach of just saying what's the first thing that's come into your mind. Be spontaneous about it because if that's from the heart, even if it sometimes gets you in trouble, then it's much more, I think, more enjoyable to do that than to think too hard about what should I say and how should I say it and is it the right thing and will a surrogate see what I've just said? I agree with you to an extent. I think there's an asterisk there. I think I think everybody needs to read what they've typed before they click enter. Yes, of course. (laughs) Because, I mean, everybody in their life has been guilty of it at some point, some people more than others. Um, But, yeah, we definitely need to just be considerate that some people are really new or some people are in maybe a little bit of a bad space. And if you say something that's a little bit too truthful without just padding it in a nicer way, can make people feel a little bit bad about themselves too because they might take that on quite personally. 
Absolutely. I think that's totally true. So, well, where are you guys up to? You've got your egg donor. You've done the egg donation cycle. Is that right? Yeah, we've recent, very recently done an egg donation cycle. It was actually today that we got a photo of our embryo. Ah, uh, lovely. Single, just one embryo. Um, Have you so, given it a name? Um, I haven't discussed this with Jason. No, <laughs> nope, no idea. No. It, um, it's it's five AA. That's okay. what we're going to call it. All right, so, that's a, that's a good number and it's a good name. Five AA. Uh, so yeah, we just have one. We we're equal parts happy and I think disappointed. I think we had hoped for, as you do, maybe a couple more. Mm. Uh, but we got one and I know that's better than some people get on any given cycle. So I think you have to just take the wins where you can get it. That's right. It's, it's a step closer to where you need to be. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And then, uh, so in terms of finding a surrogate, where are you guys up to? So we are actually really lucky. We have recently connected with a surrogate and we are sorrow dating, which has been great fun. Um, What's involved in sorrow dating? Explain that a bit more. I, I don't know if there's a rule about it. Like I've read a few things. You should hang out for 100 hours and 100 hours doesn't include sleeping time if you have sleepovers. That's about all I remember from the official documentation. <laughs> Um, we, so we live almost an hour away from each other. So in that way, it's kind of been good because it kind of structures when you can catch up. Um, obviously after work is not really an option because it's such a drive. So we hang out generally for like a good solid day on the weekend. We've recently had a sleepover at each other's house. Um, and so our, our lovely sorrow is uh, or has a three-year-old that we just absolutely adore hanging out with. So the four of us have been just really proactive about getting out and doing things. So normally after a long week, Jason and I might be just too lazy to do anything. So we'll we'll do park run, we'll do our grocery shopping, and then we'll just chill at home and and not not leave the house if possible and so the whole sorrow dating is kind of like normal dating in that it forces you out of your comfort zone and you start looking for things to do and looking for places to go and it's actually been quite fun yeah and you've met her through the facebook group is that right yeah we did has she talked to you about what it was that made her reach out to you guys and say let's start talking I think from what she's told us, it was just, she just kind of stumbled across Jason. Um, so it wasn't even me. All the hard work I put in. <laughs> it was your charming husband the whole time. It was my charming husband the whole time. So <laughs> I think couples out there, it's not good enough for just one of you. Just both of you go at it and you've got two chances. It's mm. like having two Powerball tickets. So she found Jason and she really liked Jason's profile. And so they started talking initially and really hit it off. And then I kind of just... Got hung, hung around like a bad smell, hoping to be included. Yeah, yeah I was like, talk to me, I'm cool. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, like, they were really hitting it off, so I was happy for them to kind of establish that really base level. And then I came in anyway and we, yeah, we had a good catch-up and we've had many good catch-ups since and we message each other daily, multiple times daily, and it's just... Like it just feels easy and effortless. So I guess as well, like like normal dating, if you know, if you meet someone off Grinder or Tinder or whatever other apps there are, 
if you have to force the conversation, it's never going to work. Mm. Um, we, we don't have to do that. And we, we just, anything that has to be talked about, we're so straightforward. So it just, it just comes up and we can talk about it. And so we've used a few posts from the surrogacy community Facebook page where there has been a little bit of back and forth between people and we've said perfect thing to talk about and we just kind of have a chat. Actually, I remember doing that with my intended parents. If there was some conflict happening um, or stories that I heard about conflict happening between intended parents and surrogates, rather than um, finding it disappointing or saddening, we would actually use it to then talk about, well, how would we handle that situation? So that's been really useful. Sometimes I think the silver lining of things that don't go so well is that hopefully other people can learn from it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what we're trying to do is to just incorporate everything that's gone on on that Facebook page and just lay everything out because at the end of the day, like, we're getting along really well now and like, we don't want to jeopardise that, um, mm -hmm. not just for the surrogacy journey, but we have so much fun hanging out and we love hanging out with her son and, you know, we, we're already kind of looking forward and going, well, it's not just this surrogacy journey. Like, there's already been so many funny stories that I can't wait until your son turns 18 because <laughs> we, we've got the stories. Like, it's going to come out. <laughs> So if you had any advice that you haven't covered already for intended parents that are starting out and are feeling like you did at the beginning, what would that advice be? I think um, acknowledge your strengths and weaknesses, whether that's social media or commenting or just general knowledge around surrogacy. Maybe it's your empathy. I don't think I'm a terribly empathetic person and I have to try really hard to do that because it doesn't come naturally to me. So just acknowledging all of that, play to your strengths, learn from your weaknesses, learn from others, just take a step back and read as much as you can. Um, even if you can't comment on a post, sometimes I'll just follow a post and follow the comments just to kind of get an understanding of what's going on. Another I would say is that if you want answers, you're going to need to find them yourself and do the research. You can ask a question online you're going to get a lot of advice and a lot of conflicting advice. Um, I can give you my answer, but it's ultimately my answer. So it might not apply to you. Take it as you will, but you've still got to go forward and do that research. So I think it's important before you post a question on the page as well, is just kind of get your ducks in a row and kind of know where you're at. And I think that's important. Also, I came up with a saying when I was thinking about thinking about this podcast because I'm a nerd. Um, you can't leave your footprint if you don't step in the mud. So there's been a lot of talk about being vulnerable. And so you do need to be vulnerable. You have to be sensible, obviously, but you have to, you have to be allowed to make mistakes and you have to learn from it. So I grew up in Werribee, so I know perfectly well that not all parents are perfect. So, um, and that goes, you know, for intended parents as well. They can make mistakes as well. I think that's actually really good advice for everyone to remember because I do think what we've been talking about is what happens on social media can uh, come across differently to if we were in person and that that's something that we should be conscious of when we're posting and commenting and also how we're reacting to the people around us as well. That's, yeah, amazing. Thank you. Did you have any famous last words? I like your quote. Oh, thanks. Everybody owes it to themselves and to the community to do the right thing. If you don't, do something correct. If you're an IP and you're spamming surrogates or if 
just anything that's kind of not within the general guidelines of the community or how we should act. Like you're not just doing yourself a disservice, but everybody else. So every time a surrogate or an IP has a bad experience, it gets talked about. And I think sometimes that can maybe take oxygen away from all the good stories that happen. And so we don't want people coming onto this page saying, I'm really interested in being a surrogate. And then reading a few bad stories and thinking, oh, actually, I can't, I can't do this. This doesn't sound like it's good at all. Because that's not in our best interests. Like if we want to grow this community and help each other out and ultimately have a baby, which is all kind of our end game, most of us, um, I think it's just important to, to not do the wrong thing. I think that's, that's exactly right. Um, you are a man after my own heart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. If you are looking for more information, you can find it on the blog. Listen to more podcast episodes at sarahjefford.com. You can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at sarah at sarahjefford.com.